You're listening to Trek FM. Want to join in the conversation and share your thoughts on this episode? Join the Babel Conference, our listeners' discussion group on Facebook. Just type B-A-B-E-L into the Facebook search field, and we look forward to seeing you there. This is Steve Sansweet of Rancho Obi-Wan, and you're listening to the 602 Club. Welcome to Trek FM, the local watering hole. I am just one of the hosts here, Matthew Rushing, and with me, as she is, well, from the future this week, uh, Christy Morris. Hey, excited to be back. Well, uh, sort of, um, to the past, to talk to my friend Sarah, see how Mm -hmm. she's doing. Oh, oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, It's nice that you arrived clothed this time, so... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> oh goodness um well we are going to be uh, i think everybody can figure out we're going to be talking about uh the latest in the terminator franchise dark fate uh but before we do that quick reminder that of course you can find everything we do here on the network over at trek.fm we're on twitter at trek fm we're on facebook at facebook.com slash trek fm there is a listeners discussion group where you can discuss all the podcasts and everything that's going on in the network over on facebook it's called the babel conference uh, you can join by typing babel into the search field and asking to be let in or If you're on the website and any of our show pages, there is a button that says discussion. You can use that. And uh, you can send us an email. Go to trek.fm slash contact, choose a show, and that allows you to be able to send an email uh, to Christy and I when you choose the 602 Club. And uh, last but not least, we want to say thank you to our associate producers here through Patreon, Ken Tripp, Davis Grayson, Wyatt Millett, and Daniel Noah for supporting the show and making sure that every episode of the 602 club comes to you as well as everything on the network this is a large network we have so many shows coming out for you and we can't do it alone so we really would appreciate you going over to patreon.com slash track see how you can become part of our team we've got some great contribution levels that you can get at um, but honestly in the end every little bit helps make sure all of this content comes to you each and every week and again that's patreon.com slash track fm so christy um we're back at terminator 3 again Mm -hmm. and so i thought it was interesting because i was doing a little bit of research and obviously the last time a terminator movie had come out was terminator genesis and that was supposed to be the start of a brand new trilogy of films and yet um that was scrapped because those, you know, that film didn't do great at the box office. Um, and so they just ultimately canceled those films. So I just wanted to ask you, um, kind of coming into this, you know, um, where were you with your, you know, Terminator fandom? It's funny you should ask because uh, I specifically waited to tell you till this very moment that. The Terminator movies I've seen have only been The Terminator from 1984 and Terminator 2 from 1991. And then this one. So I skipped everything in between 2 and Dark Fate, um, which maybe some people would say at this point was a good idea. Mm. But uh, I, I loved 
the original two that I saw. Uh, that was something that I shared with my dad, as we've talked about before, kind of um, geek stuff started with me and my dad watching these together. So I'd say I probably saw the first Terminator when I was about eight years old in 94. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So I definitely know the universe and uh, think Sarah Connor is awesome and was a total Schwarzenegger fan. I also loved Predator. So anyway, uh, that's where I came into this. That's that's really, really interesting to me. So did you just miss the others just because, you know, it was one of those things where at that point in life you were kind of out of, you know, the desire to see another Terminator or was it on purpose? Uh, no, it, the next one that came out since it wasn't until the 2000s, I was in middle school. Um, I was kind of wrapped more up in like student life stuff um, and wasn't as into going to see the movies as soon as they came out in the theater anymore. So when you, you know, heard that this one was coming out uh, and that they were going to basically just do a direct sequel to Terminator 2 and just discount, you know, the other films like, uh, you know, they had Rise Against the Machine, Rise of the Machines, Terminator Salvation, and, and Genesis. Mm -hmm. I guess for you, you're like, okay, because that's all I've ever right. seen. It was perfect. <laughs> <laughs> That's really interesting. That's really interesting. So, I mean, and so for me, it's a little bit different because, you know, I'd seen the, the first two and then, of course, I've, I've seen all of the others. And I would say I've had middling to like just downright kind of hate uh, for the sequel so far. And so this one was... Slightly interesting because they brought James Cameron back to be a part of the team to help, you know, make the movie again. And he was just going to be uh, a producer and, of course, had, had worked early on the script. Um, but did, did that change anything for you kind of going into this one thinking, oh, this could be really good? Yeah, since I knew that James Cameron worked on the original, um, I, that really bode well for me when I heard about Dark Fate coming out and him coming back. I think that it's sort of the same thing you and I have talked about with other movies that have sequels that you feel like whoever was with it in the beginning, if you liked it then, that it can kind of get diluted when other people are working on a film um, in between. Um, so I, I think having James Cameron back really, I don't know, reminds you of the original Terminator more than any of the others would. But then again, I'm missing the few in the middle. So, I mean, it really, I guess, would be more about how you felt it did. Yeah, I mean, uh, the thought process of him being back, I, I think that he would be involved is good. You know, uh, you would hope that that could only help the process and, you know, kind of set you back on track, hopefully. Um, and, and I think... You know, so I just rewatched the the first and the second, mm -hmm. and I think you know what makes this so difficult to follow up is that the first two movies make a very good, I would say, a very strong duology of movies in the sense that um, they they you know especially the second one it does a great job of weaving itself in with the first and you know creating an end that truly feels like the end you know like it 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 you know you feel as though okay we've avoided judgment day you know we can ride off into the yeah. sunset and so to follow that up you know every time we've had to kind of bring back 
the idea that, you know, judgment day is inevitable in, in many ways. And so, um, and that's, you know, what we end up doing here. So I, I wanted to ask you then, it's it's really interesting that you haven't seen the other one, so you don't have any of that baggage. <laughs> but I just wanted to ask you then about the story, because the storyline for this one is, especially if you'd only seen the first two, um, I would find, I feel like I would find it really jarring because I'm not used to them kind of messing with the first two, right. you know? Um, but so how did you feel about the, the way this story plays out and the way that it uses, you know, the end of the second movie and then, and, and uses that as a springboard to where they were going to go next? I felt like the hardest part about this movie was that it feels like they're kind of trying to undo with the writing what they set up in Judgment Day. Specifically when they mentioned toward the end of Dark Fate that John was not the ultimate savior of humanity and that they're backtracking basically and saying, oh, no, instead it was this new girl and um, she wasn't the mother of the savior of humanity. It's just her. It just feels a little bit thrown in last minute as another way to twist the story, um, sort of like what you're saying that Judgment Day is inevitable. But I just wasn't still that comfortable with it. I feel like there's another way they could have gone about it. Um, how did how did it make you feel? I I I I thought you know the whole idea of them uh, killing off John Connor was you know obviously it's shocking. Yeah, that's fine. You know, and I feel like it it creates. Um, the possibility that you can take this in an interesting direction. The, 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 the problem I think I have with it the most is that what we're, we're doing is we're just trying to, it almost feels like we're just trying to make Judgment Day inevitable because we want to keep making sequels. Right. And so we have to find plot reasons for things to happen so that can happen. So we can keep making these movies mm-hmm. and it, doesn't necessarily feel like the like the idea is valid enough so that you can legitimize making the movie and killing off the character you've spent two movies two beloved movies i i should Mm -hmm. say um building this character up into this you know like icon you know john connor is the one that is the most important in all of this you know and his mother then is the most important to him in training him to be this. But the thing about judgment day was, is that we got the feeling by the end of that movie that we had truly been able to, with the sacrifices made by the, you know, the scientist and as well as, you know, the Arnold Terminator that we put an end to judgment day coming like this. Mm -hmm. And so I think the the problem that I, I kind of end up having with the story is that not only are we undoing what was great about the first two movies, but then this movie literally just becomes a, a, a retelling of the first movie with a few minor tweaks. Yeah. And it kind of, it makes those, it really makes those first two movies kind of feel irrelevant. Because everything that was done in them doesn't really mean anything. Mm-hmm. Because we're really just given this new hero that we're supposed to, you know, 
put all of our affections on. But I don't want to do that when I just realize that, well, she's just overwritten, really, everything that came before it. And I loved the first two movies. Like, I don't want those overwritten. Yeah, I mean, I absolutely agree. I felt like it really also undermined what Sarah did, because for me, Sarah Connor was the most important part of the whole story, because even though she was the mother of the guy who ends up saving everyone, I feel like that's still a hugely important job. And I grew up watching this woman totally kick butt and, you know, just be the hero of these movies. I felt like she, aside Arnold Schwarzenegger, was amazing. And in this movie, it feels like they just make her a tired, depressed drunk. And I was not a fan of that. Yeah. You know, like, I mean, they brought her back, which I like, but what they did with her, I wasn't excited about. Yeah, I think, you know, maybe that's a good time to to talk a little bit about, you know, Sarah Connor being back. I agree with you because I think I was reading uh, an interview with the director and um, them talking about the idea that they felt like angry Sarah was the best Sarah. Mm Mm-hmm. And so, again, I felt like instead of what was doing best for the character, they did what was best for the plot, which was to get her to a place where she's angry again. And that just seems like unnecessary torture for the character to put her through her son dying and so that she'll just be angry this whole movie. Um, so that she can kind of be back in that Terminator 2 form, you know, where she was in Judgment Day, where she's just like she's you're not going to like her when she's yeah. angry, you know, and, which is it works great for this movie. But I felt like the the again, the story reason for bringing her back and making her angry was just like. It's just too much and it doesn't. It doesn't do good for the character of Sarah Connor, I don't think. Because, like you said, it just... She just becomes a facilitator again, then, of somebody else being the hero. You know? Like, yeah. uh, you, she, she's the facilitator of John being the hero. Um, but but the, the, the beauty of Sarah in the second movie is that she actually... Her and the... the the T-800 and John actually prevent, are supposed to have prevented Judgment Day in the first place. Like, that's the end of that movie. And here, it's like, we're just back to her kind of being who she was in the middle of Terminator 2, but not for great plot. I mean, it just it just seems like, again, it's all about the convenience of, like, we want to keep making these movies, and we want to bring back the nostalgia of having Sarah Connor but it's not really a gr- it's not really servicing the character in a way that makes you feel like glad for that character when you come out it just kind of makes you feel like sad for them yeah i i really i feel like you and i at this point are like two people with these um how it should have ended ideas <laughs> <laughs> and we're just gonna sit here and be like okay so what i would have done is gone back into this um because that's how i feel right now like I, I think that there are good parts to this movie but i really wanted them to write sarah connor differently at this point um and to give a little bit different twist to the story than just someone has to go back in time and prevent 
mm-hmm. someone from dying who's going to save humanity. Like, what's the twist right. on it? Like, maybe John had a sibling we didn't know about before. I don't know. Yeah. I Well, and I think, you know, even for... I, I would say I wasn't overly enthused by the performance that that we got from Linda Hamilton in the movie personally um and part of that is because she's just channeling all the things that we've already seen in Sarah instead of bringing anything really new to the character and I just don't think like it was done I I just nothing really sold me from her performance as to what she's supposed to be feeling or what's actually supposed to be happening in this movie. And part of that, I just think it's cause it's kind of an uninspiring story for her as a character in this movie. Yeah. Um, because it's not really any different than majority of what she did in Terminator two. There's, there's no change. It's just like variations on a theme. And speaking of variations on a theme, how did you feel about Arnold Schwarzenegger returning? <laughs> Well, so before we get to Arnold, uh-huh. I wanted to ask you, because this is something that kind of really bothered me and it had to do with Sarah and him. So this is maybe a nice sure. bridge. But so we so we get told that the reason that she's doing what she's doing after his death is she keeps getting these text messages that tell her where Terminators are going to be. Yes. So um, and Carl explains that he's the one who's been sending these text messages and then he gives some techno babble that goes by so fast i don't understand how he's knowing where terminators are going to be so that part of the storyline legitimately made no sense that's exactly what i was going to bring up because it drove me crazy i'm fine with him being back but explain your plot point and don't just drop it and then never fully flesh it out, I guess, is the best way I would describe it. I, I felt the same way in particular to you about the scene where they confront him in the cabin and they're talking to him and trying to figure out what his role is in all of this. I was also thrown off by him saying that he grew a conscience met a woman and decided to have a, you know, family with her and her son. That whole part didn't make sense. Yeah, it's uh, so. Yes, I, I, I agree with most of that. Now, I will say rewatching the the second movie, I just rewatched it last night. And one of the things that that you see in that movie is how the T-800 is able to kind of grow as he hangs out with humans more and how John impacts, you know, his behavior uh, throughout the movie. So it didn't it it made sense to me that he could, you know, quote unquote, grow a conscience um, because he doesn't have any orders anymore. And therefore, his only other mission prerogative is to get to know humanity more. Um, So him kind of being like the Terminator Pinocchio who wants to be a real boy, um, you know, made sense. You know, like I thought, okay, at least his storyline and that part made sense to me. It was how he was directing Sarah to these different areas where uh, Terminators were coming from the future and she was killing them that did not make sense. Because, I I mean, I didn't even have a problem with them having there be more than one Terminator that had come back. 
Yeah. You know, that like they had sent the prototype, the, the, the um, T-1000, and then they had sent, you know, multiple T-800s. Yeah, mm-hmm, exactly. Uh, which, you know, that kind of seems like a Skynet thing to do is is to try and outthink everything uh, and everyone. Um, and honestly, I will say having Arnold back was probably the best part of the movie because I think he's great in all of the scenes that he has to be in. They just and I, I so I did a little bit of reading and they literally cut out a scene in that where he explains how he's been getting the messages mm. and um, the, the kind of why behind that. And I really do think that it hurts the movie because for the rest of the time, I'm kind of thinking like, how how does this work instead of being able to really plug into the rest of the film? Anytime that you do that in a movie, it's not a good thing. No. Because I'm 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 then I'm detached from the the rest of what's going on. And definitely when it has to deal with time travel <laughs> because it's something that is an abstract concept for us anyway and then you're messing with your own timeline. I guess that's too where I'm getting confused because of course I remember Terminator 2 with Arnold's character and the interaction with him and John, but then wouldn't it have happened that he killed John in between when Terminator 2 happened and this movie? So, but the Terminator in Terminator 2 and Carl are different Terminators, Got it. Okay. right? Yeah, yeah. So, so that, so because uh, that term, the, the, the T-800 that saves John in Terminator 2 was actually sent by John. He had reprogrammed him. Okay. Um, the the Carl Terminator uh, is the one that Skynet had sent back. They had sent multiple Terminators looking for John, um, the T-1000, and then multiple T-800s um, to try and make sure that the job got done properly. So um, Carl happens to be one of those T-800s. And so that part, you know, again, that uh, I that made sense and it made you know it didn't it didn't seem all that weird um i I, again you know i have no problem with arnold's performance i think he's fantastic in the movie he's actually one of the best parts of the movie him uh, the thing that i really uh, responded to with his character is the fact that he did have this family Mm -hmm. and he had become part of it in in much the same way that we had seen that starting to happen with Mm -hmm. john in the second movie and they really allowed him to be able to kind of bring that all the way. Um, Cause you almost get the feeling like if they had allowed the T 800 to stay with them, he would have kind of become that type of character for John. Like, and, and I they would have saying. kind of had this strange, you know, family. So they, they, I, I thought that that was actually a nice extension mm-hmm. here. It's the fact that, you know, this Carl has killed John just so we can introduce a new character. Mm-hmm. That's a little bit, I think that's, that's frustrating to me. And yes, exactly what you're saying as far as the not explaining how Sarah was getting her information. I mean, they say that Carl's right. giving it yep. to her, but how does Carl know? <laughs> yeah, it just, I mean, that's the thing that just kind of doesn't make a lot of sense to me. In, in the movie and do so, they explain in the deleted scene maybe they'll have that as a deleted scene you know uh, uh, but i mean i'll never know because 
I probably won't buy this movie. <laughs> no, I definitely won't buy this movie. Um, so I, yeah, I think those, you know, with the old cast, I would say bringing Arnold back was was a better hit for me and, and worked better than bringing back Sarah. Um, you know, it, part of that is that, again, you can, the way they did it with making it, there are multiple T-800s, um, you can obviously do that. It's just a production line of Terminators. Clearly it you worked know? for so, me. Um, <laughs> exactly. It does. And it works for me too, you know. And and part of that is I think, you know, Arnold is 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 not given a lot of credit where credit I think is actually due. He's he's actually very good, I think, yeah. in this movie, in the sense of his 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 range and, and everything that he's asked to do, he does it really well. And I actually feel more for this terminator and his experience with having to leave this family than i do for anybody else in the movie which is a little bit weird i absolutely agree and probably should have prefaced it with i have no problem with arnold's performance i am totally a schwarzenegger Mm, fan and i do think he's a great actor um i my problem was with the writing um Mm-hmm. And I I do absolutely agree. I felt especially in the scene where he it keeps trying to kill the new Terminator, um, that he does have that conscience and that he still cares about humanity um, and is not like the other models. Um, I I do think too, like we were saying before, that Sarah really suffers and she was the one I was the most excited to see return in this movie and to feel like she just deflated was hard for me to watch um yeah I I do think you get the most emotional pull from watching Arnold yeah you know I think the the thought process too here for me is this and this is always now my benchmark for uh, doing this this type of thing. Anytime you want to go back to an, a, fr- a franchise and then kind of like reboot it, for me, it's Star Trek 09. That's the way you do this because Star Trek 09 with Chris Pine and the gang mm-hmm. allows everything that came before to completely matter because you need all of that to happen, but it allows you then to continue in a new universe um, and do your thing. But you're not ever discounting or changing or making less of what came before. You're actually accentuating it because it's it's all of that that leads to that moment where, you know, Spock Prime ends up changing the, uh, and branching off into a different timeline. Mm-hmm. And you get this, and I almost and 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 then by them doing that, I think you create the, the this ability, um, and it's one of the best kind of like soft reboots of a universe uh, I've ever seen. And and if they had maybe tried to 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 take the time travel uh, aspect for terminator and done basically the same thing almost that there was something that happened that basically branched off a universe yes so then we can do our own thing and but we're not discounting everything that's happened before but in the time travel rules of of terminator that's not what happens exactly so because what you apparently supposed to be able to do in the past is supposed to impact the future so it's really classic star trek 
type of time travel rules where you you know you can actually change the future instead of just creating a new reality basically and so by them not giving themselves that out they have created a new movie which basically overrides the movies that you already love so i'm not sure how you can be a fan of the series and not come out of this film with a bad taste in your mouth because you're like, but I liked Sarah Connor and I liked John Connor and I liked what they did in those first two movies. But now what they did doesn't really matter because we're just given this new character that I'm supposed to care about. But I already cared about characters. Well, and I'm just going to say what I felt like the elephant in the room was I felt like them writing the story, rewriting it this way, was trying to say that in the past, Sarah Connor wasn't important enough because she was just the mother of the person who's supposed to save humanity. Like that they felt like fans felt at this point she wasn't given enough credit. And so I feel like they're coming back now and trying to make the female character, the savior of humanity as sort of a way to give the female characters more weight in the story, but they didn't lack any weight in the story before. Does that make sense? No, I think you've hit the nail on the head completely because Sarah Connor as a character is the reason that John Connor is who he is. Right. I mean, at the end of the day, she created him. Right, exactly. Not only does she, well, she helped know, create birth him. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But she's also the one who taught him everything he knows. And without her, he is nothing, right? right. Like he's he's nobody. He he he's not going to be saving anyone. So, I mean, and and to discount motherhood in that way is really just hurtful. I mean, to anyone who's a mother, right? You know, anybody who puts their time and effort into loving and raising their children, um, you know, why would you discount that, you know? And not only does she, you know, I mean, I wouldn't say she's the world's greatest mother either, you know? I mean, watch Terminator 2. She's not the world's greatest mother. Um, But she is the mother who prepared her son to be who he was going to need to be, uh, to save the universe. And then together, what was great about that movie is together they found another way to stop Judgment Day, even though, well, they didn't. Right. So. Yeah. So I think we're on the same page. So, oh. <laughs> so um, what did you think? You know, we had uh, Mackenzie Davis. We got the new characters in the movie. And, you know, she comes back uh, and she's here to save Danny. Um, but she's not a Terminator. She's just an enhanced human being. Uh, what did you think of that idea? I did think that was an interesting new route to take with the story. Um, not just having another T model come back from the future to stop the other Terminator. Um, and I think, too, it does kind of bring to light the reality that we're living in of more and more um things we're able to build to help the human body take care of itself better, you know, like the pacemaker and things like that. We're sort of already becoming modified human beings. Um, So it's kind of a stretch, but it's an interesting and realistic way to take it 
Um, so I, I liked that idea. Um, I think I just, at the end of the day with the execution wasn't as big a fan. Yeah. It's funny because it's not completely new. Cause if I remember correctly, Terminator salvation kind of has an, of an augmented human in it. Um, it's been a long time since I've seen that one. Um, but I mean, I felt like, I felt like Mackenzie Davis. I actually thought it was really good in the movie in the role that she's mm-hmm. given. I felt I felt like uh, the performance that she gives is good. Um, I had no problem with any part of her her, her story really. Um, I think the only thing that is a little bit frustrating is that her, her story is just an accentuation of the you know Terminator Two storyline of of the T eight hundred coming back to save you know. Um, John right, like even though her body's different, John, still you know, same thing. Right, um, and 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 you know her having this really close relationship with Danny. I think you kind of everybody saw that coming from a mile away. So, um, I, again, I I felt like she was good. The physicality she has in the movie is good uh, for the what she's asked to do. I just don't necessarily feel like it's. Um, it just feels like we've seen it f- for the most part before, and so uh, th- there there isn't anything new or revolutionary added by her character. You know the way that again Terminator, you know, two turned everything on its head a little bit. Um, you know, here it ugh, there's so much that they kind of yank from three salvation and genesis and kind of you know they use little bits and pieces of Mm -hmm. things so nothing here just feels different and it's not her fault because i think with what she's given to do she i I was i thought she did great with it so um and you know even when she's talking about her story and growing up you know you know after judgment day and everything um for them was was really interesting and i was like for a while, I thought her story was going to be super dark, yeah. um, you know, and until she finishes the story. And I'm like, oh, whew, it's not <laughs> as dark as I thought it was, um, but it's still pretty dark. And, and you know, again, Mackenzie Davis, I, I like her um, as an actress and she she makes the most of what she's given here. Yeah, it, I think we're kind of going back to the same thing of saying it's not the performances as much as just the story writing that could have been better. I think that she was a great actress. I think she did well with what she was given as well. Um, I, I felt like the only ki- time that they kind of made her the butt of a joke was when she first lands. Uh, they do that whole, oh, I'd love to have naked ladies raining from the sky joke. And I'm just like, okay. I think that they could have had her land with clothes. Well, yeah, I mean, that's, that's a longstanding Terminator tradition, you know, that, and it's, it's, it's something about, if I remember correctly, um, Kyle Reese says that nothing non-organic can go through unless it's covered by organic matter. Yeah. So, like, there's no way to cover organic, I mean, clothes in organic matter. So, um, you know, that's why everybody shows up naked, men or, I mean, so far it only well, no, because Terminator Three, uh, Rise of the Machines, they had a female Terminator, okay. um, and she shows up, not 
clothes. Um, so this isn't the first time that that's happened. So again, yeah, nothing new on that part. So, um, what did you think of Natalia Reyes playing Danny? I thought she was fine. I, um, I think that it was just kind of weird going that route, like we were saying with the story. I, I think that it was nice having the background of her family to introduce the story and give you people to care about. I will say in addition to Carl, I did feel for um, Danny and losing her brother and then also finding out she's lost her father in the midst of everything happening. That really brought some emotion for me. But I think that the, the biggest weakness here is just them trying to rewrite the lead character of the story. I think that they should have made it like either there was a long lost sibling of John's or that maybe Sarah had a sister that we didn't know about and also had another kid that was supposed to come back. And I don't know. Yeah. I mean, the the straight up uh, one for one of making, you know, Danny the new John by just replacing him. It, it just seems kind of cheap. Yeah. And so I think the actress is fine in the role. I think she does well, you know, again, with what she's given. Um, but her just being the one that replaces John is, is you know. And and there's there's this weird question that I ended up with. So if she never sent Mackenzie Davis back, would she ever actually be the person that could be this person? You know, like, and it's the same kind of predestination paradox you end Mm -hmm. up with, with, um, you know, the first Terminator, you know, if he doesn't send back Kyle Reese, he'd never be born, you know, and then, but he, yeah, so. Well, and then in this one. um, Which is a little bit easier to explain um, in some, well, no, anyway. So anyway, time travel, it'll make your head explode. Um (laughs) But yes, this, I mean, again, she's okay. I, I think we mentioned it earlier, but there's the fact that Judgment Day actually does happen because humanity just creates another sentient thing, but this time it's called Legion. Mm-hmm. It's just like, why, why you know, it, because again, we're just remaking the first movie, but it's already been done, mm-hmm. and it it already exists as a classic at this point. So why are we trying to replace that now with something that's the same but slightly different? Yeah. And and now for something completely different. <laughs> uh have you ever seen that um Monty Python? Yes. Um there there's a that flying circus episode and now for something completely mm-hmm. different. A man with three buttocks. <laughs> <laughs> and now for something completely different. A man with three buttocks. And they do it like four or five times. Mm-hmm. Like, that's kind of what I feel like we're doing with the Terminator movies. You know, it's and now for something completely different. A new Terminator mm-hmm. movie. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. <laughs> you think, why did we need another sequel then at this point? Um, I would just love to see everyone's a great alternate question. endings. Give me all your alternate endings. Yeah, yes. Um so we had the Rev Nine Terminator. Uh, any, what did you think about having you know this kind of like mechanical exoskeleton, you know, with the you know 
poly alloy whatever you yeah. know uh i thought that was awesome because i mean it completely combines what we had seen in the original terminator with it being just a skeleton underneath this skin covering and then in judgment day seeing the liquefiable versions that um were harder to kill i think that it was really a cool new way to take it with combining the two of them and a Terminator being able to separate and duplicate himself, basically. Uh, and I thought the actor was great. I mean, he wasn't asked to do a whole lot, but I think that he did well with what he had. Yeah, you know, I, I think I, what I liked about that idea, um, again, they kind of did this a little bit with uh, Rise of the Machines where they had a mixture of both, um, but it didn't allow them to completely separate. So you ended up with, you know, two different entities that you would be mm-hmm. facing. And I actually thought that that was really, um, that was one of the smartest things that they did in the movie, that they added something to the Terminator franchise in that sense that was really smart you know uh the fact that the exoskeleton and the alloy could work separately uh was really a good idea and then of course they're not quite as strong apart right but they still are able to mostly get the job done i mean you know so yeah i mean and i think the actor was really good i liked um some of the ways in which, you know, he would be talking to somebody and trying to kind of like butter them up, which was kind mm-hmm. of funny. Uh, I, I thought that was good. Uh, yeah, I would think, I honestly think, you know, next to uh, the performance of Arnold, that the thing that that truly did something that added something to Terminator here was the way that they took this, you know, Rev 9. I liked that. Um, so... I mean, if I'm really thinking of things that I really liked in the movie, I think it was that. So, Okay. Yeah. I mean, I, I would agree with that. I felt like it was a, a cool new thing to add. What did, uh, what did you think about the action set pieces in this movie? How did you feel about those? Specifically? So we had, like, you know, the big plane action set mm-hmm. piece. You know, we had the one on the bridge. Uh, you know, we had the... Um, the car chase we had the one at the very end you know um where falling from the planes mm-hmm. and then you know uh, we're underwater in a humvee mm. <laughs> i could tell which one you probably had a problem with i uh, i would say my favorite really even though it was a a little bit weird as far as dealing with the cg i guess um was the plane because there was so much happening all at once. Um, it did really give me a lot of, um, fear, I guess, in the situation. I felt like it, you know, had a lot of good action to it. Um, I think that the hardest part, like I said, was when there are the external scenes of the planes, seeing the one collide into the other seemed a little bit, not as great as it could have looked. Um, and then, yeah, the, the Humvee toward the end is the one I remember being the one that I disliked the most, just because it, anything underwater is hard to do. And it, it felt like everything, even that they had Sarah tell 
um, Danny to do that then she didn't do. I mean, she was supposed to see him and then pull the cord for the parachute. I don't know what happened. Yeah. I, I would say that I wasn't overly enthused by any of the action in the movie. And mainly it's just because so much of it felt like variations on things we'd already seen in other action movies. And that's hard to do with action movies yeah. these days. But it can be done because, you know, we talked about... uh fallout mission impossible fallout and those action sequences are incredible some of the very best action sequences i've ever seen in my entire life and done any in film. a bathroom so exactly <laughs> so we know that these things are possible it just i don't feel like any of them really worked here and i do feel like you're absolutely right to call out the cgi because there were times when you know, the CGI characters of the Terminators, you know, doing their thing or, you know, Grace doing her thing, them being underwater, all of those things looked very CGI-ish mm-hmm. um, and didn't feel real enough. Part of that, too, is that them being underwater in that Humvee, that Humvee would immediately have been leaking um, and already blown out a window somewhere. You know, I know Humvees are, are made to take a lot of damage, but, dropping from but the they're not Dam. made to... F- <laughs> yeah, they're not made to fall off a dam into the water, slam into it, and not have windows break. So all of that felt really um, movie logic, and it was just really bad movie mm-hmm. logic. So, um, And then, you know, again, that end battle felt very similar to where we ended up in the second movie. You know, we're kind of in this um, this place where we're going to destroy the the terminators and everything and all of it just felt you know again it was very similar to what happens in in the second movie and that you're you know, gonna have you know arnold's terminator have to die and all this mm-hmm. kind of stuff and you know he went um, out in a blaze of glory yeah. he did <laughs> he definitely did um so the last thing i want to ask you about because i think this may be the thing that i liked the most in the movie but i really thought that um the Junkie XL did a great job with the soundtrack and using the um, Terminator theme from the first two movies. And I, I really have enjoyed, I've, I've listened to the soundtrack a few times and I thought it was really good. And I thought it actually worked well in the movie too. I mean, he was able to add in the, um, you know, the wonderful um, Latin feeling music, you know, with the guitar in there Mm -hmm. and everything. So, I just thought it was, uh, I really liked it. I thought he did a great job of bringing back that ferocity to the theme, that doom, 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 you know, and everything. Yeah. So for me, that was actually maybe the best part of the movie. Well, I I wouldn't say for me it was the best part of the movie, but I thought it was good as well. I, uh, I, I felt like it, for sure, you needed it in the beginning, like you're saying with the guitar, because of the setting being Mexico. Um, I think that going that route with your characters and everything, you want to have authentic music. Um, so I, I, I agree. I think it was definitely an asset. Um, and like we've said with Bond movies as well, having that recognizable theme back is a big part. And when you don't have it, people notice. Um, I think my favorite part about this movie was still probably Sarah Connor, even though we didn't get a great Sarah Connor. I was glad to see her again. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. So in all of this conversation, what would you rate 
Terminator Dark Fate. Ooh. Mm, I guess I will we'll go out of five to be a little more fair. <laughs> um I think it really I give it like a two out of five um Humvees because mm. it just does feel like everything we've said as far as it being like a remake it tries to rewrite some things that you're then going well then why did we even need john connor in the first place and it felt a little bit pc to me as far as trying to say oh well maybe sarah connor didn't have as much of a role before because she was just the mom and now we need to make it all about women power and it's like well it already was um and uh, i think that it just could have been better in a lot of ways and really i think that the biggest thing that hurt it was that the writers needed to sit down and say what's a great way we could add to what we've already done not come back and change everything so yeah i think if you're a terminator franchise fan that most fans would be disappointed yeah i'd say um this is one and a half uh, stars. Uh, you know, it, it's it's one and a half um, lost T eight hundred limbs. <laughs> uh, it's just a really not good movie, and and part of it is that it really does nothing for the franchise. It doesn't add well to the franchise, and really, what it does is detract from what you already love. And if you're doing that in a movie that's a sequel to beloved films, you're already lost. Mm -hmm. And maybe, maybe it's our dark fate, our (laughs) fate worse than death, that they will never stop making these movies. But I do know that just like the Pirates of the Caribbean movies lost me to the point where I would never go see another one again, Terminator has finally done that for me. Like, I just won't ever go see another Terminator movie again. Um, because I, I don't see the validity of doing so. Um, and every time they've kind of like found a way to reel me back in, but I'm sorry, you know, I'm not Don Corleone. I'm, I'm out finally. So, yeah, uh, I get it. Uh, I'm with you. It sucks because it's something that we both really enjoyed to begin with. But now at this point, it feels exactly like what you said, that it's a, it's a cash grab. (laughs) Yeah. So with that, it's time for recommendations. So am I going first? Yes. Okay. So I'm going with this trend of time travel and going back in time again and going to recommend, because I don't think I have yet. You can tell me if I'm crazy. A movie that I love because it's so bad, it's hilarious. If you have not seen Attack of the Killer Tomatoes, or Return of the Killer Tomatoes, you need to watch them. Return specifically because George Clooney was early in his career when he was in this movie. And it's just about tomatoes coming to life and killing people. Yeah, that's funny. And they do like... I've never seen those you movies, haven't? so... Oh, Mm-mm. man, they even break the fourth wall at one point and uh, talk nice. about product placement. I love when movies do that. <laughs> that's yeah. great. Uh, so, um, I just watched a new movie on Netflix called The King, 
and it is about the rise of Henry V. Mm. And I really enjoyed it. It's very good. Um, and it is, you know, in the vein of something we've talked about on the show, uh, the Outlaw King that they did about Robert the Bruce, or, you know, it kind of has the feeling of, of any of those those type of movies. But this one also has its very own feel. It there's there's a quietness to it, and a, a, just a difference for for the way that they present. You know who Henry V was. Um, I really enjoyed it. I, I I thought it was a great movie. It looks great, um, and it's on Netflix. So I would highly encourage anybody who's just looking for a good movie. Um, the King was excellent. So, but. Uh, Chrissy, if anybody is wanting to catch up with you with uh, everything else that you've got going on, where can people find you? Yeah, if you want to come and bring me your alternate timelines, uh, I'll be in the Babel Conference. Please come and talk about it with me. Uh, and then I'm also on Twitter and Instagram at Bespin Bell. And you can find me on a couple other podcasts. I do a show with my friend Teresa Delgado called Sabers and Spells. It's on the Skynet network. Um, and basically we talk about everything under the sun geek wise from Harry Potter to, uh, we just talked about what's coming out from Disney plus soon. Uh, and then we're going to be doing some star Wars stuff, obviously since Mandalorian's coming out. Um, and we uh, we'll see where we go from there. But I'm also in addition to that show, I do a show once a month called Planet Leia with five other women from around the world talking about Star Wars. And uh, lastly, I do a five minute segment once a month on the Star Wars report called Fashion in Five about men's and women's Star Wars fashion, which I'm wearing some Star Wars fashion now, but nobody can see it. <laughs> it's a Mandalorian so, shirt. Uh, that's right. That's right. Um, which, man, next week, can't believe that the Mandalorian is out. I know. Um, so, yeah, we'll be covering it here mm -hmm. on the show. Uh, but just a little plug, wink, wink, wink. Uh, you can find me on Twitter, Instagram, Letterboxd, and Vero under the name Matt Rushing 2 I am here on the network. Uh, when Chris Jones and I can get a chance to get together, we talk about the uh, Star Trek Deep Space Nine show on the show called The Orb. Uh, I do two shows over on the Nerd Party Network. One is called Owlpost. Do that with Drea Kaufman where we are talking about Harry Potter each and every week, one chapter at a time. And in fact, a little tidbit, she will be here next week on the 602 Club because we are going to be talking about Frozen. So yeah, we don't usually let you know what's coming up, but there you go. That just lets you know if you've stayed at the end of the episode and listened to us talk about where you can find us. Uh, then you can find me doing another show called Aggressive Negotiations with John Mills where we are talking about the one and only Star Wars each and every week. Uh, we love talking about Star Wars. It's not a news show. We're really talking about just things that we're thinking about in the Star Wars universe. So it is a lot of fun. I hope you'll check that out. And then last but not least, I do a show called Cinema Stories. I do that with my good friend Courtney. And in there, we talk about films, but we do that through the lens of faith. But thank you so much for joining us. And y'all come back now, you hear? Hear?